Welcome to the first episode of ACT The App Association's podcast, Tech Swamp. If you can't drain it, join it. We're coming to you live, sort of, from Washington, D.C., and you are joined by your hosts and friendly neighborhood membership team here today. Hey, Nick. Hey, Alex. How are you doing today? <laughs> can't complain. Caitlin, what's up? Yeah, I'm just hanging out. Membership office, chilling. Chilling. Uh, and this, of course, is Alex. Today, we're going to dive into all things ICBA, but first, we're going to talk tech history, and run through some insane DC headlines. All right, tech history. The day, January 24th, 1984. Macintosh, now Apple, launched their very own personal computer. Um, Apple Lisa was the first commercial computer with interactive icons, but Macintosh was the first computer for the rest of us, us plebes. Uh, it sold for $2,495, it weighed 22 pounds, and the screen was 9 inches. Just to put this into perspective, uh, today iPhone 6 Plus has a screen uh, only 4.5 inches smaller, and the MacBook Air weighs 2.03 pounds. 2 pounds versus 22 pounds. Uh, computer for the rest of us, Frank is stands and would be pleased. <laughs> is that coffee brewing I hear? Must mean it's time for what's brewing in DC. Caitlin, hit us with the top tech headlines. So the price of Bitcoin fell more than 12% last week after fear of regulation across Asia, as well as the introduction of a Bitcoin related bill in the house. Now this week prices seem to be leveling out, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, Congressman John Delaney, the founder of the Artificial Intelligence Caucus, said in an op-ed for TechCrunch that D.C. needs to get behind AI. And he's taking the lead by introducing the House version of the Future of AI Act that would create a formal process for both Congress and the executive branch to start looking at AI seriously. And in cybersecurity-related news, according to the World Economic Forum's Global Risks Report, Cyber attacks are now the third largest threat facing the world. So make sure you change those passwords early and often, guys. One, two, three, four is not a password. Password is also not a password. (laughs) And speaking of cyber attacks, the two former Fox News hosts had their Twitter accounts compromised. These hackers even went as far as to DM POTUS. So many jokes, so little time. (laughs) Uh, Let's stay away from those jokes, Alex. (laughs) And we're going to leave you with some good news now. Apple recently announced that over the next five years, they're going to be investing $30 billion in capital expenditures, contribute $350 million to the U.S. economy, and create 20,000 jobs. Hmm. Those, are some, uh, those are some headlines, Caitlin. Um, and Nick, what about the Hill? What's happening on the Hill? Uh, so D.C. is still reeling from last week's government shutdown. Uh, the government went to a three-day shutdown that started Friday at midnight and lasted until uh, Monday evening when they finally, all three of uh, the House, the Senate, and the President approved the CR. Uh, that CR is going to fund the government until February 8th. Uh, the Senate Democrats sort of forced this uh, government into the shutdown uh, when there's no consensus between them, the Republican majority, and the White House over DACA. Now, DACA, of course, stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It's been a point of contention between D's and R's for the past few months. Um, And DACA actually uh, has implications in the tech industry. Uh, This has been a hot-button issue where uh, companies like Microsoft and and others have been speaking out about the importance of uh, 
these dreamers uh, to the tech community and such. So this is going to be on the forefront of uh, DC politics for the next few weeks, and we'll see how it plays out. And for those of us who don't know and don't speak Hill, what is a CR? A CR is a continuing resolution. So every uh, every year, the government is supposed to uh, um, pass a bill weighing out how much money they're going to spend throughout the year, authorizing funding. And when they can't get an agreement on the spending bill, they have to continue funding the government, which is called a continuing resolution, uh, to move forward. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> what else? Uh, another item on policymakers' minds, uh, though it might not be in the forefront right now, is net neutrality. Um, Senate Democrats have 50 votes on a resolution that would overturn the FCC's repeal of net neutrality. They're one vote short of what they need because uh, 50-50 uh, is not enough to pass a bill. They have all 49 Democrats uh, and one Republican, Susan Collins of Maine. Uh, Senator Chuck Schumer is, is pleased with that. And he said, given how quickly we've gotten to 50, we have a real chance of succeeding. But bad news for Chuck Schumer, it would still need to pass the House and the president would still have to sign it. And given their support of the FCC's decision, uh, that doesn't seem likely. So something to watch. Yes, something to watch moving forward. Great. So now's the part of uh, Tech Swamp where we get into our policy discussion, the nitty-gritty around a certain policy area. Uh, this month, we're going to take a deep dive on a particular policy uh, that really does affect the tech community. Today, we're talking ICPA, which is the International Communications Privacy Act, and the Supreme Court case between the U.S. and Microsoft. For a little background, this week, the U.S. Supreme Court took a grounded look at the happenings in the cloud, or at least law enforcement access to data stored there. Get it? Because they're on the ground, data in the cloud. Oh, that's great, Alex. Thanks. Anyway, <laughs> the Supreme Court is currently reviewing a case between the U.S. and Microsoft after the U.S. Department of Justice appealed a Second Circuit ruling that the DOJ's warrant requests could not extend to data stored on a Microsoft server located outside of the U.S. This has raised many questions and ongoing debate about lawful access to data. For app developers, tech companies, and businesses that have customers and store data overseas, the outcome of this ruling is a BFD. Uh, on January 18th, more than 20 companies and individuals submitted amicus briefs to the Supreme Court in support of Microsoft, and many of them call for a legislative solution like the International Communications Privacy Act, ICPA. And lucky for you, today we have Graham, our Director of Government Affairs, here to give us the nitty gritty on all things Microsoft versus US and how it relates back to ICPA and you guys. Hey. <laughs> hey, Graham. Good to be here. Hey, guys. Graham's here. <laughs> Alex, did you know that Graham's here? I, I just saw. Okay. Um, Graham. Uh, yeah. Graham is here to tell us, uh, give us all the deets on all of the things related to ICPA and Microsoft versus US. Crashing the party here. Yeah. So you want me to just kind of go over uh, a couple of details hey, here? Give us, give yeah. us the background. Yeah. yeah. What's up? What's up with yeah. that? That's a deep dive. Well, the way I, you know, the way I think about it is um, uh, with the Microsoft case, Imagine you're a company that, that stores data on people. So whether that's you know your employees, or say you store information on the employees of your contractors, or um, in Microsoft's case, it's emails, right? Okay. Um, and you're doing business abroad, and, and you store the data locally. Um, and uh, every company does this, really. I mean, if you're doing business somewhere else, uh, at least for a little bit, you keep the data in another country. Uh, now imagine that, uh, Somebody in the U.S., the U.S. government, the FBI, for example, wants uh, uh, is investigating a crime involving 
alleged uh, uh, violation of U.S. law. Okay. Uh, they'll serve as a subpoena on you under the uh, Electronic Communications Privacy Act, but the problem arises where um, complying with that order actually violates the law of the land where you're doing business. Sounds like a problem. <laughs> it's a, it is definitely, it's a scary problem. Yeah. You know, can you imagine being caught between two, you know, um, between mom and dad, you know, mm -hmm. uh, European government and the U.S. government? Those yeah. are my parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, Graham, I, I completely understand from the business perspective, but, you know, FBI, you know, needs this sort of information there. So what, um, you know, when, when, when people talk about it, can you talk a little bit about the yeah. back and forth about where where both sides are viewing this? It's a good point. It's a good question, too, because um, you're right. They do have to have access to the data somehow, some way. But think about it this way. You know, if it's physical evidence, and let's say you've uh, stored something in a hotel safe in France mm -hmm. or something like that, well, the FBI can't just go in there and raid it. They have to check in with the French government first mm -hmm. and the French investigators first. Yeah. Um, so why is it that we treat physical uh, evidence with all kinds of privacy protections and then when evidence is digital uh, it, it is not afforded those same uh, privacy mm -hmm. protections fourth amendment uh, style protections mm -hmm. uh, even though that evidence is just as valuable and you know often uh, more valuable and uh, more private than, yeah. than the physical stuff you offer. yeah and so getting into this so the example that you were talking about in the beginning with this business um, is that you know the United States is asking for this information that might violate international law. Now, mm -hmm. the flip side of things, you know, uh, for businesses that might be, you know, uh, doing doing business in the United States, is it possible? Takes back. Is it possible that countries, other countries, would have the same thing apply to them? You know, when it comes to U.S. Uh, data on U.S. citizens and stuff like that, can or let's say, can Russia, you know, demand that co companies doing business in the United States take data and take it back to Russia as well? Sure, I think um, there there are some countries that that uh, think they do have such authority, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's, for example, China, um, uh, I think uh, views its authority as long as it's a Chinese company mm -hmm. doing business in the U.S. Um, and they store data on U.S. persons, uh, China thinks it has the authority to go in and take that, that information. Okay. Um, usually you see that happen between countries where there's no legal assistance treaty. Mm -hmm. This is the agreement that, um, back to my example with the hotel, yeah. uh, you know, it's under the mutual legal assistance treaty that you would um, uh, seek the data from, from the mm -hmm. foreign government and seek the evidence from the foreign government. You would say, to the French authorities, hey, we really, we really uh, want to investigate this person staying in this hotel. We know where they are. Mm -hmm. um, uh, can you help us out? Can you, can you go in there? And it's the French authorities that, that will do that because, uh, guess what? French citizens have due process under French law, not U.S. law. Right. So okay. That's so, where that comes in. So Graham, so you are you, your former staffer on on Capitol Hill and things like that. Can you give us the lowdown of how? Of course, there's you said that there's this this case, but. Obviously, there's a congressional issues going on with this as well. So what's being done on Capitol Hill to address this issue? Yeah, um, not enough, really, you know, from my perspective. But uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Be honest, don't hold back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so uh, there's a little bit happening, but um, uh, it's hard to find agreement here because uh, there's an ongoing Supreme Court case with Microsoft versus the United States. Um, there are lots of uh, 
commenters out there and people who are very pro-law enforcement who just want to see the case decided. The only problem with that, though, is that the law that the case is going to be interpreting is from 1986. And That's a while ago. <laughs> a while ago. In fact, two years like, after, uh, as we learned earlier in this episode, two years after the first uh, Macintosh, Macintosh computer. Personal computer. Yeah. We've, we've so come the, quite a way since then. Yeah. Things quite are different. I mean, Two-pound computers versus... Like nine pounds or something. So the law is as old as a twenty-two pound computer, is yeah. what I'm hearing. That's right. I mean, that's uh, and and that's <laughs> that is problematic. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, Congress had no idea uh, that cloud computing would be a thing right. back then, and um, they wrote the law in a way that treats uh, stored emails if they're not stored on your own computer. If they're stored remotely, it treats them as abandoned property. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, you know, if you want to get, if law enforcement wants to get an order for that, uh, um, uh, for the content of your communications, if they're 180 days old, they just need, they just need a subpoena. They, all, all, all they need to do is um, have a, a, a prosecutor sign off on it and say, I want that. Hmm. And so, Interesting. Uh, I don't think, I don't think people's ex expectations are in line with that. No, anymore. especially not in such a digital age. So can you imagine, like, you know, the Supreme Court is left with this law that's from 1986 to say, okay, what does it mean now? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't really fit. It's a square peg in a round hole. And so that's why Congress should probably do something about it. Um, yeah. So I want to get back here to 2018. We just <laughs> were talking before about, <laughs> about, <Whip dash>. <laughs> yeah. Dem we we're talking about the shutdown that's going on. Democrats, Republicans, we live in such a partisan time here in DC. Yeah. Give me, give me, give me the lay, lay of the land. Where are the Democrats? Where are the Republicans? This has to be a partisan issue, right? And the bill, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the bill is the, up. the specific bill is the International Communications Protect Privacy Act. Yeah. Privacy Act. That's yes. right. Privacy Act. Yeah, yes. and they, they call it ICPA. ICPA. Just a wonderful. So, which side are the Democrats on? Which side are the Republicans on, Graham? Yeah, that's the good news. Uh, we've got bipartisan bills. Whoa, no way! Yes. Believe it. Believe it. You heard it here. I'll believe it when I see the co-sponsor list. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I tell you, there's not enough of them on there. But uh, um, at least in the House side, we've got a bunch of senators uh, that are interested. So it's Orrin Hatch, who's a Republican. And then we got Chris Coons, who is a Democrat from Delaware. So those those two guys are leading the charge on the Senate side. Mm -hmm. And then on the House side, Hakeem Jeffries from New York, he's, he's the lead Democrat. And yep. then uh, Doug Collins is the lead Republican in the House side. So And Doug Collins is from Georgia. Doug Collins is from Georgia. So you Absolutely. have you have a Utah Republican, mm -hmm. a Delaware Democrat, a uh, a Georgia Republican and a New York Democrat. It's kind of all across the all across the country. It seems like this is uh, something that people are concerned about. It totally crosses ideological boundaries. They feel like now is the time to update the law. Um, I'd I'd say if uh, policymakers fall into different categories on this issue, it's pro law enforcement versus pro uh, tech. Mm -hmm. You know, because. Uh, um, Law enforcement, they don't necessarily feel like they need a problem solved right now because mm -hmm. they interpret the current law to mean that they have access to, to mm -hmm. information regardless of where it is or right. who it pertains to. So, um, and uh, you know, a lot of people out there who are watching the case think it's going to come down in Department of Justice's favor. So, so what what you have here is you have ICPA, this legislation, is trying to kind of thread the needle. Um, try to clarify some things that so that that businesses and stuff have um, you know some clarity about what's going on. They're not violating laws in, in two different countries, 
and we got bipartisan support for it. We also have the Supreme Court on the case. It sounds like a mess, Graham, but uh, it, it, it sounds sounds pretty interesting. So this feels like a good time to bring it back to our members. This next section is what we call member minutes. This is really where we talk about how these policy issues that we're discussing during during Tech Swamp are really going to affect you guys and technology businesses and how you can sort of learn more about how you can get involved on the advocacy side of this. Um, so Nick and Graham, how is this going to affect our members? So so Graham, you brought up the example earlier, but let's 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 bring it home. We've got some of our members who you know ICPA has been been something we've been pushing for a while. You have your Dogtown Media's in, in Los Angeles. You have your Motion Mobs in Birmingham, Alabama. You have members for the App Association all across the country involved with this. How does it affect them? Well, it, in a couple of ways. Um, for a lot of these companies, they'll go throughout their whole professional lives without receiving a request from law enforcement. That's great. Um, but it's not just about the one uh, order you get from, from the FBI. Uh, or, or the orders themselves, right? It's, it's about um, what does it mean that law enforcement has access regardless of what another country's law says. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it's about. And um, so, you know, uh, the upshot is that it's hard to do business overseas in the wake of, you know, the, uh, uh, the Snowden revelations mm-hmm. and other countries are going to be skeptical of the way we give access to law enforcement and intelligence agencies. And as a result, our businesses are gonna suffer. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 Graham, we're talking about, I mean, the App Association deals with mostly small, medium-sized businesses. Are, are these businesses actually doing business overseas? Definitely. <laughs> I think they are. <laughs> yes, yes, is the answer. I think the answer is yes. You know, or at least, uh, you know, if they're not, maybe, you, you, uh, a lot of them are probably looking at doing business overseas. And this is going to be a question, you know, when you want to go into Europe and Europeans are going, well, you know, the European com- company will protect my data and, and it won't, you know, by virtue of the fact that it's a European company, they're not going to be swept up by, by these FBI orders or, mm-hmm. or, uh, or intelligence gathering. So uh, it's a competitive advantage that is mm-hmm. totally unnecessary and we're shooting ourselves in the foot. So if we want well, our members already, as you say, are already doing business overseas. But even those that may not be, if they have aspirations to doing so, you know, they want to be able to yeah. do this without violating the law, getting locked up. And I mean, Graham, you're a lawyer, but no offense, no one wants to pay you guys to to <laughs> to, to do this stuff to to figure out this this law and go up against the FBI to protect their consumers' data. It sounds like really important to our members. Yeah, a good point. You know, that's a it's an employment, you know, situation for lawyers yeah. to, have, to have a lack of clarity in the law, and, but but that's not what pe- that's not uh, you know what's going to make us competitive as a as a country, and that's not what's going to make uh, you know our member companies competitive with companies overseas. So um, yeah, and so the other thing is just making sure that we are respectful as a as a nation of conflicts with other countries' laws. So that you know, our behavior matters. You know, mm-hmm. if we if we pretend like we have jurisdiction over the world, um, other countries are going to do it too. And we talked about China and Russia as examples. Um, and so uh, that will hurt our competitiveness as well. If you get kind of a uh, uh, an arms race of um, hyper localization of data, for example, 
-hmm. you know the more the more we pretend like we we should have access to everybody else's data the more they will uh, enact laws that say all your data are ours mm -hmm. now you know all your data has to be stored inside of our country and you have to do business with our company with with companies like china for example does this thing where they um, require if you want to do business and you and you and you process data you have to have um a partnership with a with a chinese company which can be hugely expensive right hugely expensive and you know most most of the big companies that deal with data in, in China are backed by the government, mm -hmm. which means that the government would have access to to um, any and all data that you're it's a conundrum. Process. So yeah. So so yeah. so Graham, it, it definitely looks like something that the Appsistations members really care about. So can you quickly kind of just go over real quick what what are we doing about it, and you know have we done anything recently about this? And so you know the the so our our listeners this. Taxon podcast know uh, how the app association is dealing with this issue. Yeah, well, uh, the fly-in was great. We do a lot of advocacy in front of Congress. Appcon, Appcon, put in a little shameless plug for Appcon. Appcon eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun last year. Uh, the members were awesome in describing why it was meaningful uh, to get a bill done. Uh, we work directly with the with the members of Congress who are who are mm -hmm. sponsors of the bill. We're considering uh, becoming co-sponsors. Um, we write a lot of op-eds and blog posts, mm -hmm. statements. Um, we did an amicus brief with the Supreme Court saying this is Congress's job, basically. Mm -hmm. um, we fancy y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and then, We're doing work. Yeah, and, and, and Graham, if, if We're doing people work. want to get involved in the, the work that AppCon is doing, who can they reach out to? They can reach out to... Nick Miller. Oh, and the whole entire and Caitlin or and Alex <laughs> Cook, the whole entire and Graham yeah. Default, even if you want, yeah. the whole membership department. That's what we're yeah. here for. So but anyway. I'm gonna quick plug too. Okay. We also there's um, this really great resource, uh ICPA.us. That's I C P A dot US. Forgot to um, and it has all kinds of information on there, everything from the background to um, this case and how it got to the Supreme Court, but also work that we've done and ways that you guys can get involved in this really important issue. So. Couldn't have said it any better. That's perfect. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Graham, thank you so much for coming on our first episode and talking about ICBA and really enlightening yeah. us and you know our listeners to why this is such a critical issue. And once again, the plug, ICBA.us, to find out yeah. more about it and how you can get involved. You're, uh, and your friendly uh, neighborhood app association team, we're here too for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, visit the site. Be our 10th and 11th visitors. <laughs> We're in the 10s already. We got jokes, y'all. We got jokes. <laughs> jokes. <laughs> um, jokes Graham, thank you. Adios. And now, the section of Tech Swamp where we talk random identifiers. Uh, this is where we talk about something that tickles our fancy, cocktail chatter, gossip, sports, you name it. It's things that we're obsessed with. Caitlin. Start us off. It's on your mind. So what is really in the forefront of my mind right now <laughs> is a post I saw on Instagram from Fiddy Cent. Not Fiddy. 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 You can find me in the club. That was a sample, and we will pay royalties for that. <laughs> Rewind back to 2014, Fiddy released an album called Animal Ambition. Uh, he accepted Bitcoin for this album. And back then, Bitcoin was valued at, at about $662 per Bitcoin. 
Um, he just kind of let that Bitcoin sit in an account. <laughs> At the time, he had about $400,000 in sales from Bitcoin. Wow. Fast forward to today, he is sitting on anywhere between $7 million and eight and a half million dollars. That's insane. So, but like in Bitcoin. But in Bitcoin. So he had kind of a bad week then, though, right? Because didn't you say it dropped like twelve percent? It did early drop. In the so, uh, so Fiddy is is not very pleased. It, it dropped, but it's leveled out, and honestly, he should just get out. Get so, out now. So, when the real question is, um, when is uh, Fiddy gonna write a song about Bitcoin? Hopefully soon. Maybe he'll change his name to Fiddy Bitcoin. <laughs> <gasps> That would be amazing. Do you guys want to know a fun fact? Uh, of course. Um, my mom, who is a five foot three Greek woman, knows every single word to every single song on Fifty Cent's first album. Yeah, fun fact. Um, yeah. My there was an audible gasp. In yeah. <laughs> Follow up fact. Um, he once did a song with Lil Kim, Lil, not Lil. Little, yeah, Lil. Um, called Magic Stick, and she also knows every word to that, except that she thinks that Magic Stick is battleship which is great. So. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mom. <laughs> that is a fun fact, Alex. So that, that's that's my fun fact for the day. <laughs> yes. Um, Nick, well, yes. top so, of mind. So, uh... Not as, as many... Yes, not, not 50 Cent related. As, uh, <laughs> as, as many people know, I am a huge uh, Minnesota Vikings football fan, and unfortunately they got destroyed this past week. Um, to the Philadelphia Eagles, and so I'm taking a break from all sports ball-related activities for the time being, which means I'm in the market to pick up a new binge-worthy TV mm. show. And in our office, this has been kind of a running thing because everyone always makes suggestions to me to TV shows. But and I you hardly, never watch them. I never watch them. I hardly take advice. I think uh, uh, <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea really wants me to watch uh, I, Zombie. Which is great. I Yes, I watched a few episodes of that. I just haven't moved forward. Um, I've been recommended Shameless recently. I've so been, good. Yes. I this watched, is making me realize how much TV I watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and Alex keeps watching, wanting me to talk about, watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but yes. for the time being, I'm just going to stick to the tried and true West Wing. But, for all... <laughs> you, how many times have you seen West Wing? All the way through? Yeah. I'd rather not. No, you have before. to say. It's it, like admitting how many times you've read Harry Potter. Yeah. I, it's, it's, <laughs> I've probably seen it through... At least five times. Amazing. Um, but <laughs> anyway, for those of our podcast listeners, if you think that there's a show that I should watch, please let me know. Um, you can uh, let us know on our Twitter account, which we hint, hint, we might talk about later. But uh, <laughs> um, please let me know, and maybe I'll take your recommendation, but probably not. Especially if your recommendation is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I am obsessed with. Um, completely obsessed. And Nick, you will appreciate this because I know that you have a general fondness for Terry Crews. I do, I really do. Terry Crews plays arguably one of my favorite characters on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Sergeant Jeffers. And I think if you watch, you will agree with me that Chelsea, our executive director, is the Sergeant Jeffers of ACTV Association. See, I... I do love Terry Crews. It goes back all the way to... Lip Sync Battle. Well, well even, even before, before that, you know, I love, <laughs> I love Terry Crews' office linebacker. And I like the comparison to Chelsea. Because mm-hmm. um, Chelsea is kind of the... Chelsea the Hammer. Yeah, she's the enforcer in this office. So if it's anything like that, maybe I would like the show. Yeah, you would love it. And also, for those of you who haven't already done this, Lip Sync Battle, um, you should probably go watch Terry Crews um, lip sync a 
stunning rendition of Vanessa Carlton's 1,000 Miles. It's beautiful. I, I can back this up. It makes my soul happy to watch it. And it will time. do the same for you. <laughs> <laughs> Those little birds can only mean one thing. Twitter Q&A. This is the part of the podcast where, normally, we'd answer your questions from Twitter. Uh, the Twitters, as the youth say. Uh, but in order to do that, we need to shamelessly plug our new Twitter account. Now, this is our new Twitter handle just for y'all. Uh, our members, and uh, it's pretty complicated. It is a complicated handle, and we're sorry in advance. Um, it is at ACT members. Hard. Full stuff. (laughs) That's difficult. (laughs) It is, and we're sorry. So every month we're going to ask you guys to ask us questions. Now, this could be anything from how will the tax code impact my small business to what's your favorite pizza topping and everything in between. So make sure you tweet us at ACT members, and we promise we'll follow back. All right, guys, that's it for the first episode of Tech Swamp. Uh, We want to give a big shout out and thank you to Brad Goodall, who wrote the podcast Awesome Strange Music. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, music included, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. All the things. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And we'll see you next month here on Tech Swamp. And and don't forget to rate and review, obviously, on all of the platforms. Obvi. Five stars, please. Five stars. Um, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. See ya.